0: And your spouse thinks you make this much when you really make this much. Anytime you're being secretive about any Mm -hmm. aspect of your finances, you are committing financial Mm infidelity.
1: You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with America's number one money couple, Talent and Ty McNeely, as they share with us how they overcame financial infidelity. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you're a first-time listener, a big, huge welcome to you. I truly hope that you enjoy this episode and the many episodes that are now behind it. Can't believe I can say that now. It still feels relatively new, but we are getting deep into these podcast streets, and I am loving it. You guys, really one of the joys, probably the greatest joy of my career right now is producing This podcast because your feedback is just phenomenal. And the changes and the strides that you're making, the behavioral changes you're making, the transformation that's taking place that so many of you send me messages about just it just moves me, it inspires me, it motivates me to keep showing up and keep doing this. So, thank you so much. Before I jump into this week's episode, I have to give a shout out to My new buddy, Stephen Hart, over at the Trailblazers podcast. It's a podcast for Black professionals. And I was on just recently, and I have to tell you, it's probably one of the best episodes or the best interviews, I should say, I've ever given. And I don't know if it's because Stephen was just so amazing, (laughs) which he is, and I identified so much with his story of just losing everything um, during the recession and having to rebuild. He's kind of like the male version of me. (laughs) And if you're not familiar with my story, you definitely, that's a great place for you to go and listen and just hear that interview. But there was just also something so genuine and authentic and comforting about that conversation where as a woman in particular, I just felt like I could take my cape off And just really be vulnerable and get to the heart of what I think challenges so many of us as women, and in particular, Black women. And so it's a really great episode, so much so that it was actually featured on Apple Podcast. His podcast has been featured for Black History Month. And our episode, they've been sharing like crazy on Apple Podcast's Facebook page and on their Twitter feed and all that. And it's just been phenomenal. And so... If you are new here and you found me through Stephen Hart and the Trailblazers podcast, a big shout out to you. Thank you so much for coming over and joining me here at Redefining Wealth. And for my community, I really want you to go check out the Trailblazers podcast. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal work being done over there. And I just appreciate Stephen so much. There's something really special about that episode. And I would love for you guys to hear it and check it out too. So With that being said, another one of my favorite interviews, and it's funny, I was actually one of their first, is from Talad and Ty McNeely. They are the couple that I'm talking to today. And if you are in a relationship, have ever been in a relationship, would like to be in a relationship, have thought about a relationship, then this is (laughs) a great episode for you because we kind of unpack quite a bit. And... I don't know about you guys, but if you're anything like me, where you're just kind of the financial opposite of your spouse or significant other, this is a really great episode to see how two people can go through something like an episode of financial infidelity and turn it into a blessing, which is what happens with a lot of our pain, right? If we allow it, it can actually end up being a platform that is used for greater purpose. And this couple has done just that. Talent and Ty McNeely are America's number one money couple. They're financial educators that are on a mission to get individuals and couples on the same page financially and to experience the joys of financial freedom. They are the co-authors of Money Talks, the ultimate couple's guide to communicating about money. And they're also the hosts of the top rated podcast, the His and Her Money Show. Talit and Ty McNeely, His and Her Money, have been featured in numerous publications, everything from Black Enterprise to Fox News, MSN, Essence, and even Business Insider. Please listen in to this wonderful conversation and don't say I never did anything for you because I intentionally did not release it on the week of Valentine's Day. I was trying to show somebody some love. Someone needed to just get through Valentine's Day in peace and don't say your girl didn't hook you up. So now... We're a week removed from Valentine's Day and we can get real and have some real conversation. So without further ado, listen in as I chat with Talent and Ty McNeely. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Talent and Ty.
0: Hello. What's going on, Patrice?
1: <laughs> I am so excited. You guys are not only America's number one money couple, you are my favorite money couple. Oh, Patrice, right thank
2: now, you. Say it we either. love you dearly.
1: You are. So I have to tell you a few things. First of all, congratulations on 50,000 YouTube subscribers.
0: Oh, thank you. so thank we appreciate you. appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. It does.
1: Yeah, I I love the debt free stories. I love the videos you do on Sunday nights. Like, I just love how real you guys are. And what really inspired me to to invite you on around this time is because you just launched a beautiful new site at hisandhermoney.com.
0: And you know, you
1: invited people to check it out. So, you know, I was like, well, let me (laughs) check it out then. Well, let me go check it Here's out. Here's your
2: feedback, Patricia. Real honest feedback. You no, know,
1: it is beautiful. It's clean oh. and crisp. And what I love, this is what stood out to me and why I invited you guys to be on Redefining Wealth. You know, I've always known that you guys talk about money and marriage and everything in between. But when I saw building power couples with purpose. Yes.
0: Love it. We that's know. the reaction we were looking for.
1: Oh my gosh. That spoke to me.
0: We really feel like Their strength in numbers. We can help a husband and wife team, spouses come together, not just from a financial standpoint, but in life in general. And I just think that they are more equipped to have such a major impact on the world. We feel like if we can impact couples to then turn around and be impacts themselves. Yeah. And we've done our job.
2: Yeah. You know, we have a lot of people that actually come up to us sometimes together or separately and they're like, hey, can you mentor me? Like, I want to be just like you. I I look at the way um, that you treat your children, your wife or your husband, and they actually want that. And we're like, oh, wow. Really? Wow. (laughs) You know? Yeah. We're just doing us, you know, but, you know, we give God the glory. We thank God that people can actually look at our lives. So we said, okay, what can we do? How can we take our platform and, you know, turn it into or building power couples? And so that's what his or her dot com is all about. And we actually, like you said, we relaunched our entire site. New logo, fresh look. It took us. Would you believe it, Patrice? It took us over one year to actually get this site finally up.
1: Child, yes, I do. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I believe it. I've been there
2: oh my gosh, it's not fun. It's not fun building a website. It's not fun dealing with you know some of the designers. It's just, but overall, we stuck it out and we're really, really excited about the direction that we're going in.
1: Well, when you're creating something so great with such a powerful mission, it doesn't happen overnight. I know that there's That whole mentality out here, especially in social media, where it's like you got to hustle and grind and make it happen in 24 hours. It's like, look, I live in the real world where things come up, you have other responsibilities, and then you're dealing with so many different personalities. I can only imagine. But what I will say about you two in particular is that whatever people are attracted to that they see online, I can vouch for the fact that you are exactly the same offline. Oh. Patrice, thank you. (laughs) From the moment that I met you guys. Now I don't know if you know I I don't really remember if I was that familiar with you yet when we met at Baggage Claim. What city were we in?
0: Where were we Uh, at? First one was that Uh, that New Orleans?
2: North Carolina. Carolina. It was North Carolina
1: yeah so we met at FinCon well, we met at the airport in baggage claim at fincon yes.
2: and <laughs> let me just say this, patrice, since you're giving us all the praise, I have to praise you as well too. You are amazing when you met us at the baggage claim, we were like little nobodies, unknown. okay, unknown, but you were so kind to us you didn't have you were this really known yeah she and she is really known still, you know, and you didn't have this very uppity, I'm better than you type thing. You know, you sat there, you, you, you spoke with us, you were talking with us. I mean, you even uh, invited us to take the ride over with you. And then you came on our podcast show. We were so excited. Like that was the highlight of our trip. That oh my gosh, sure. Patrice Washington is coming on our show and we get to interview her. And we just thank you. Thank you from, from the bottoms of our heart. From the very beginning, you were so kind to us, and we were just we we're just really and, and grateful I think for That's it.
0: a lesson that we've learned along the way. Like yeah. we've adopted that. Like with all that God has done with us in our platform, we mm-hmm. take on that same mentality when people that are new on the scene yeah. come up to us or ask us questions. Like we don't have that pretentious attitude because we saw from first example Robert, from yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, you were on oh, tour, doing TV, yes. books everywhere. On and let me radio. just say
2: this. Let me just say this. I have to say this, okay. She looked amazing at Badge Claim. That's I felt air- so bad. Like, I was in a jogging suit, some gym shoes, hair pulled all back. I'm like, do you see this? I said, Tyler, I need to step my game up ASAP, okay? <laughs>
1: I think that's the number one reaction I get from people when I'm traveling. They're like, where are you going dressed like this? I'm like, this is how I dress. I love it. You stay
2: ready. And I love that. I love that. So if you ran into anybody, trust me, you are prepared. Okay. I love Look, that. They
1: won't catch me on the news saying who I saw run and <laughs> who did it and listen, looking crazy. Not mm-hmm. I can't go for it. But oh, no, I, I, it. I appreciate that. And that's something that that I hold very dear to my heart. I've always said that. I want to be offline who people see online. I think one of the biggest turnoffs is when you meet someone that you've admired from a distance. And then in person, you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like yeah. what, what in the world just happened? So I appreciate that. But this is your interview. It's all about you. And um, I know that you're known today as America's number one money couple. But there was a journey to get here. Right. And and you guys have a phenomenal story, but I really want you to take us back. And I actually want to start with the man here. I want to start with you because I've heard this story told from Ty's perspective first over and over again. And Talit, I really want to hear from you, knowing that Ty, I think at the time when you got together, worked in finance and she had no debt and Mm -hmm. she was really good with her money already. And knowing where you were, it seems like you had an instinct to tell a little fib. So I want to I want to start with how your whole story of financial infidelity kind of
0: unraveled. Yeah, I got to keep it real. It was a huge lie. It wasn't a little fib. It was huge. It was massive. <laughs> Thank you for owning that. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, what happened was I when I went out the house on my own, I was only 17 years old when I left home. I enlisted to the military right after high school. And so I kind of had to grow up quick, fast, and on my own. And one of the things that I faltered in was the area of finances. And so I made every possible financial mistake that you could make. I went and financed a car that I couldn't afford. I put a sound system in that car and put payments on that that I couldn't afford, had this custom paint job that I couldn't afford, had furniture finance that I couldn't afford, And I just had a life that was completely and utterly financed. And I just got myself in a world of trouble. No matter what I tried, I ended up in a worse position financially. And no matter what creativity I tried to employ and move this money over here to pay for that, I just dug a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And I ended up in over $30,000 worth of debt with nothing to show for it. It's not like that was student loans where I had a degree. It's not like that was a real estate down payment and I had this home that I was building equity in. It was just consumerism, materialistic items that I had no business buying. And so it got to the point in my life where I was super frustrated by what was going on. Because, again, I have a job. I am fully employed. I have a check coming on the 1st and the 15th and about the 25th of every month. I'm looking like, "Dang, where did all my money go? (laughs) And it was just super frustrating. And I just got to the point of being completely fed up with getting up five o'clock every morning, working hard every single day, going through all kinds of stuff, being in the military. And at the end of the month, there's nothing there. And I just was fed up. And so then me being fed up led me to start to learn, attempt anyway, to learn about money and how money works. And so I would try and go and get books and try to implement little things. But I I still would falter a little bit because I hadn't reached my breaking point. And so I would try little things, but I would not be consistent. And I would fall back into my old ways of spending recklessly. No type of budget, nowhere to be found. Just when money came in, I was trying to figure out how to spend it. And then I just got to a, a breaking point where I just enough was enough. You know, one day I'm at the gas pump at the end of the day. And I need gas to get back home. And I'm literally saying a little prayer before I put my debit card in the gas pump saying, Lord, please don't let this car get declined so I can get enough gas to get home. Now, that's crazy. Mm. I'm not unemployed. I have have a career. I don't just have a job. I have a career that pays well. But I had such little financial literacy that there was nothing there for me except a prayer to God that this car doesn't get declined. And so then I began to take what I was attempting to do with turning around my finances a little more seriously. And I began to make a little bit of progress in the right direction. And it's at this point that I fall in love with my now wife. But the problem is, now that I'm at this place, right? I'm in love. We get together and we rekindle a romance that we had back in high school. And I propose. And I'm ready to spend my life with her, but I have all this debt still in my life. Although my decisions, my actions have changed, my mindset has changed around money, there are still the consequences of my past action over my head. Now, my wife, soon-to-be wife, is a financial rock star. She never had any debt in her life. She put herself through college, got a bachelor's degree in finance, of all things, Now, at this point in our lives, she's working at one of the most prestigious financial institutions in the world. And she's a rock star at that. And here I come with this thirty thousand dollars of debt. And I'm like, man, I cannot tell her about this because (laughs) she will absolutely run in the other direction if she figures out that I don't know what I'm doing all the way with this money thing. And so in my mind, the best thing I could do was to keep it on the low and try to devise a plan to get out of debt before the wedding. Therefore, I don't come into the wedding or come into this marriage with the burden of debt. So I kinda sorta underneath had like my heart in the right place, <laughs> but the problem the problem was I was lying. You can't build a marriage on a lie. And so my, all my attempts to try to devise this little plan failed because God is not gonna build no type of solid foundation on a lie. And so it got to the point only just a couple months before we got married. Now keep in mind we were engaged for two and a half years. Oh
1: wait a minute! I didn't understand that. Yeah. I assumed yeah. okay. Well, Wait a no. minute! I assumed it that it was a, was a quick. Engagement. It was a quick marriage. Like you fell in love and then you had six months and then you know, three oh, months no. before.
0: No.
1: Oh, talent. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I we got engaged and a little bit, a few months after. Uh, like a month. Got, like a, Yeah, maybe like a month after we got engaged. I got orders to go to Iraq. And so that put everything on.
2: Yeah, hold. I didn't want to plan a wedding while my soon-to-be husband is, you know, fighting for his life practically over in Iraq. It wasn't fun to me or intriguing at all. So I said, nope, you go ahead. You do that one year service over in Iraq. We'll get to planning the wedding once you get back.
0: And so that made this thing really drawn out. And I still couldn't bring myself to tell the truth, unfortunately, until only about a couple weeks, really, prior to us walking down the aisle where it was obvious that the plan wasn't going to work. It was obvious that I was doing the wrong thing. And I just had to come clean and tell the truth. Well, and that's what I did.
1: Well, so Ty, though, before he actually came all the way clean, I, if I remember correctly, you started to do a little investigating.
2: I did. Believe it or not, I sure did. We went through the uh, premarital counseling and we pulled credit reports and I was looking at his credit report and he had an answer for everything. And you know what? I believed him until one particular day. I'm like, oh, just something just doesn't seem right. And I, I remember that you provided me with a uh, paid in full letter for something for one of the loans. I think it was a payday loan at that. And me being in the financial background, I would not recommend anyone doing <laughs> this, but I was not unethical at all. All I simply did was I put in a phone call and I asked a simple question, told them who I was, stated where I was from, calling from and simply just asked, is this account blah, 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 uh, paid in full or is there a balance owed?" And they told me there was a balance owed, And I don't believe it was that much at that time, but it, it led me to believe that, oh, you're keeping something from me. So when I approached him with it, that's really when he really came all the way clean, like, okay, let me just just, you know, get it all out. Not only do I owe a balance on this payday loan, but I also have more debt that you don't know about.
1: And what did you feel in that moment? I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed.
2: I consider myself a very committed person. And I always believe that, hey, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. So I was always walking around with this mindset, like, okay, I'm doing good, so I'm gonna get good back. You could not have told me that this was happening right before my eyes about three months prior to getting married. I was devastated. I mean, devastated. I think it was the trust, the fact that he uh, betrayed me in that way. That frightened me more than the debt, honestly, because I'm like, oh my gosh, if he's keeping this from me, is he keeping something else from me? You know, I'm about to marry this man. And I was afraid. I was simply utterly afraid. And so I told him, I said, you know, I don't know if I can get married. And again, it wasn't because of the debt because you will never hear me tell anyone not to marry someone because they're in debt. I would tell someone not to marry someone if they're being reckless, okay, with their dad. You see all the red flags. But at that point, I saw someone, he was working two jobs, right? He had a side job. So he was not this lazy man by any means. I saw him working hard. I just thought that he was stacking that money for us <laughs> when we got married. I had no idea that he was really trying to uh, you know, get his life together, and so I was devastated. I did a lot of praying, a lot of praying. And I don't do you remember how long it took me before I was like, OK,
0: I would say a week or two.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I was I was upset. <laughs> yeah, I was, upset. She was uh, upset. Silent treatment. Don't call me. I'm good type of thing, you know, and I did not care. I did not care if I called it off and, you know, we would have to tell our family we spent all this money. None of that mattered to me. I was thinking about the future and not the actual
1: wedding day. Right, which is the opposite of what many people do. They were, they're they so committed mm-hmm. to a wedding day that they would overlook yep. all of this and think, I'll deal with it later. So, we'll tie, right. So what gave you the ability to push past it and keep moving forward? How did you learn to trust and forgive again? So after I was doing a lot of praying,
2: again, I was able to take a step back. And I started to really look at the bigger picture. Again, I saw him working really hard. He wasn't lazy. He was a very good son, taking care of his mom and his dad. I saw great qualities about him. And so I said, you know what? Hey, because he was willing to turn his life around prior to me finding out, you know, he was already trying to get his act together and clean up his finances." I said, you know what? I can work with that. I forgive you. This is not going to be easy, but hey, we're going to have to sit down, have a very detailed conversation, um, come up with some action steps that you and I both have to take and let's do this. Let's knock it out together. What kind of action steps? Mm-hmm. One of them was you are not to lie ever again. We are to be open and honest with each other. Period. I don't care if you're afraid that the other person was going to get upset. And Tyler forgot to mention, I did appear like I was this rock star in his eyes. I mean, I paid off my own uh, $13,000 vehicle in 11 months at the age of 19. So he he was seeing all yeah. these things. He's like, "Okay, you know, of course I can't <laughs> tell her about my debt." But although my soon-to-be husband had debt, he had his shortcomings, I wasn't perfect either. I had some character issues that I needed to work on. I started to really ponder and really look at myself and say, okay, what is it in me that's making him not want to, appro- want to approach me? Mm-hmm. I started looking at that. Am I too harsh? Am I coming off like I'm this perfect person? What is it that I'm doing that he can't even come to me and share with me and tell me, hey, Ty, I
1: started paying off this debt and this is how much I have left. I think most people would expect you to say, I sat down and I made a budget with him. (laughs) Right. That's what. Yeah. yeah,
2: Right. Yep. You're right. You're right. But we weren't Mm -hmm. married yet. So I told him that I was willing to help him. But first and foremost, he was supposed to be honest um, with me. We didn't create a budget together at that Mm -hmm. point because we weren't married.
0: No, not yet. We were just really just trying to work on us. We were trying to figure out how to rebuild what I had broken through the lies. You know, it wasn't so much time for the dollars and cents conversation. It was Mm -mm. the more of the relational, let's fix the fracture in our relationship. Then we can handle the money next.
1: That's the thing. Like that's the thing people miss. We always want to jump into with any financial situation. We want to jump into the dollars and cents and the numbers and the skill set piece. But there was a mindset shift That you both had to have. Khaled had to recognize that he could trust you, but you also had to look at yourself and say, who am I being that he feels like he couldn't just tell me this?
0: There you go. Men have a problem with being vulnerable. Not every man, you know, in the world, but a lot of men have trouble with being vulnerable because we are trained to be the provider, the fixer, the hunter, the gatherer, and, you know, to fall back and tell your wife, you I have a major flaw in this area. It's not easy. And then couple that with the fact that I was the only child. So I'm used to figuring a lot of things out on my own, not looking for assistance, not asking for help, but really going within to find strength. And so I had to undo a lot of that because I am no longer just talent. I am now going into a lifelong partnership with an, another person, and so I have to adapt into that teamwork mentality. It's not just about me; it's about us, and I have to change my vocabulary to win. I really had to undo a lot of what I had. I built up a lot of defense mechanisms just just throughout the course of my life because that's the, just the way that my life went. You know, I was an only child, and I, you know, I just had to do a lot of things. I grew up fast; basically, went into adulthood mm-hmm. at seventeen, and. Uh went up through the ranks really fast. So I was at like 21. I had I had soldiers underneath me that were in their 30s. And so I had to just mature quickly and had to figure out a lot of things on my own. And so when I came up against this discrepancy in my character, you know, it was tough to combat. Number one, just not being able to fix it on my own. And number two, asking for help from somebody else.
1: Yeah. That asking for help. I mean, I always say at the height of the recession when I lost my business, um, when my real estate and mortgage brokerage failed, the thing that I took away from that the most, people asked me over and over again, I said, I didn't know how to surrender and ask for help. And I think that's the thing about finances it's so personal, it's so delicate. We make it such a sensitive topic that most people will rather wait until their back is up against the wall until they have no other options to say, you know what? I don't know what I don't know, but I know this isn't working and I need help.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, fear. I think fear is so uh, paralyzing. And that if my husband would have just came to me, my soon-to-be husband would have just came to me, he would have actually probably got a different response if he was honest up front. Because again, nobody's perfect, but I was willing to work with him. And so that's just what I did. After we got married, there was no longer, okay, this is your debt. Mm -hmm. It then became our debt. We share the same bank accounts even to this very day, and we worked at Mm -hmm. it together we worked at it together. We created a budget. We came up with a plan. We had to tweak some things because remember some of the plans that we were coming up with obviously didn't work. Didn't
0: work out at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He thought that it was a bright (laughs) idea because I was the one that was better at, at the finances to actually be the one to create the budget, take care of the money. And I was okay with it. I was like, oh really? You really want me to do that? Okay, sure. I'll do it. But as time went on, We started to bump heads. There was a lot of friction because here it is. He saw me handing him, you know, allowance every week. And he's like, wait a minute, I know how much money I make. And he's like, wait a minute, (laughs) I get this, you know? And it felt like to him a mother son type relationship. Whereas for me, I felt taken advantage of. I'm like, okay, you got us in this mess. And now you want to whine like a big baby and not really stick it out together and say, hey, I don't need as much money. Let's hurry up and knock out this debt. And so, after we both sat down, we talked about it. We are like, you know what? We're going about this wrong. We both need to work together on the finances. And that's what we started to do. And it totally revolutionized our marriage. You know, let alone. I don't alone, know if I was a big baby. You were a big baby. Maybe baby. I no. Don't know about <laughs> Baby <laughs> guys, he is like six three, okay, he's a big guy,
1: okay, so he was <laughs> a big baby, okay? I could totally see that how that happens though, and that's why I do always even if one person maybe is predominantly responsible for a lot of the finances, I'm still a big advocate of planning out the financial goals together, checking in weekly or biweekly, whatever works for your schedule, but like you have to both be involved. It's not. It's not me or you. It's like this is our thing. You know, um, I released a video just this week about how to talk to your honey about money. I'm gonna put it in the show notes. But one of the first questions I say you should ask is, How did your parents handle money? Do you believe knowing this would be helpful or did it impact or shift anything for you guys?
0: I would say yes, but I would also have a caveat because How do I say this? I want to, you know, I want to be politically correct (laughs) on redefining wealth. (laughs) But, you know, black folks don't talk about money. We're not raised having conversations around the table with mom and dad about how money should go. In in the African-American context, you don't tell people about money and you a lot of times don't tell your kids about money. And so a lot of what you learn is strictly observational. And the trouble with that, or what's tricky about that is you're left up to your own interpretation about the behavior that your parents are exhibiting. So Ty and I both grew up very similarly, Mm -hmm. two-parent home, middle uh, class neighborhoods. They were both very thrifty and frugal to make the dollars stretch the best that they could. And, but we had two different responses to that upbringing. Yep. For me, I looked at it as my parents mm-hmm. being cheap. My friends came to school with the Jordans on whenever the new ones came out. And I came to school with the Pro Wings on. Now, let me Pro-win. explain what a Pro Wing <laughs> is for people, <laughs> people that don't know, okay? <laughs> the Pro Wing is the Payless version of the Jordan. They would come at the same time as the Jordans came out, but they were not Jordans. When you came, when you showed up with the pro wings, you know, you got talked about a little bit. And so I didn't look at my parents at that time as being wise. I can see that now because they retired debt free, had paid off vehicles. The house was paid off. They retired super comfortably because of the choices that they made. But at that time, I'm like, I will never be like this as soon as I get up out of here. I mean, as soon as I get up out of here, I'm buying every name brand item that I possibly <laughs> and can. And he did just that. And I did that. And I fell on my face as a result. But I say that to say this. Yes, it is helpful to know what your parents, how they interacted with money. But then you also have to, again, weigh. Are you interpreting what your parents did with their money through the correct lens? Like, did they teach you or did you just kind of look and come up with your own interpretation? So I think it's important to have the deeper conversation conversation. Like when you're dealing with finance, you got to dig. You got to dig. You got to peel back layers to figure out because in a lot of instances, they don't know what they think they know, and they don't have the depth of knowledge of personal finance that they need to have. And you might be the same way. So that's good because you get you all get to grow together. But if you don't set a a proper baseline, you can throw things off from the jump street.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. I do always say it. It when we watch our parents, it leads us to one extreme or the next. And what we really want is balance. Some people are like, oh, I'm going to be just like them. But then if you're penny pinching or whatever it is, then you're also not enjoying life in a sense. And then some people are like, oh no, I'm not doing any of that. And then you go all the way over there with renting rims and <laughs> putting sound systems, on huh, talent, doing all... <laughs>
0: Listen, I was in Texas. I had no choice. Uh, the trees. I
2: had no choice. He painted the dashboard of the car. It was just so. Tom, complete... did you
1: ever see that car in
2: person? <laughs> oh yes, and I hated it. She was riding shotgun. Patrice. Oh my That's gosh, insane. I did not like it at all.
1: Dallas, she knew she was in the midst of a situation when she got oh, in that car. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> he painted the dashboard black. Remember that? I'm it's like black and red. Who does that? Who yes. actually paints <laughs> the inside of a vehicle? And it was painted, okay? Shiny, looked like you can scratch it and a pill off. It was just awful. He was just spending his money recklessly.
1: I really want to preserve my image of talent and not <laughs> even go through the visual for this. I'm really trying to shake my head and shake that out oh, of my mind. Oh, so in Real Money Answers for Every Woman, I have my answer to this question, which I used to get from people all the time when I was on the road speaking And it's how do I make my man better with money? Now, I know what I would say, but can you give some advice to the women in particular who believe that they can make their mate better with money? So,
2: number one, you can't make them, okay? um, you can show them by example. And I think that's what I did for my husband with, with him. I said, you know what? I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm not going to nag you. I'm not going to point my finger or belittle you. As a matter of fact, I did the opposite. I would encourage him and praise him like, you know, hon, great job. You know, I really see you working really hard. I see that we're making progress. I know that this must be hard for you, but just know that I'm super happy and I'm proud of you because you're totally changing our future. And I did that a lot, especially within the first year of our marriage. And that's when we were able to become debt free. And now almost 13 years later, I would honestly say I give my husband the super trophy. I would say that he's actually better at money or finances than I am now. His credit score is probably one digit higher than mine, but he's a rock star. You hear what I'm saying? He is a rock star. So his past did not define his future. And so one thing that I would just say is just lead by example. And that's what I did. I led by example, but I showed him, look, hey, we're a team in this. okay? yeah, you made this, you know, this this mess for us. But hey, we're going to get out of it together. And that's what I did.
0: You know, a famous quote by Martin Luther King Jr. was he said that a wife can make or break her husband. And I think that's so, so true, because it was like her her words were fuel to me. It was like I believed that I could do it because she kept telling me that I could. I believed that I was making progress because she kept telling me that I was. And when you are so used to being a leader and being up front and showing people the way to have somebody behind you, pushing you and making you better, I mean, it's a priceless thing and it only makes you want to continue to grow and get better. She couldn't make me do it, but she definitely encouraged and motivated me to head in the right direction.
1: Oh, I think I heard a collective oh, across the <laughs> globe when you said your wife was the futile. I totally agree with that. And actually, that's my answer in the book. My answer is that we need to not nag, but lead by example. And oftentimes we require from other people what we don't require first of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I would meet women who had jacked up credit that wanted their man to have good credit. Well, wait Wait a minute. (laughs) Like you got to start with you. You want to lead by example. And I totally agree with my husband and I, same thing in terms of encouraging and pushing him forward and encouraging him and being the the one to cheer, the the number one cheerleader. So I, I love that. A lot of people look at Well, one, I think a lot of people are not always so certain what financial infidelity actually is. And I want to just unpack a little bit, if you guys could give more examples, because financial infidelity is, by its definition, any money-related conduct that involves one spouse being less than truthful or forthcoming with the other spouse. Oh, yeah. There's so many examples. It's not just about hiding debt, but what are other examples of financial infidelity?
2: You know, the infamous, oh, I buy shoes all the time or clothing and I leave it in the truck of my car and then I'll bring it in the, in the house when he's at work, you know, and then he'll never know that I bought these shoes. That's financial infidelity. If you're not now necessarily, I don't have to tell my husband every time I buy a piece of clothing, but you better believe that every dollar that we spend is in the budget, right? So if I have to do it behind his back, to me, that's being dishonest, right? I can go in a store now and buy anything that I want and I'm not doing it behind his back. So if you're doing it behind the person's back, I would say that that's actually infidelity. Also, credit cards, that's a big one. A lot of spouses, they carry uh, their own personal individual credit card that the other spouse does not know about, and they're just racking up debt. And maybe they're not even racking up debt. Maybe they are paying it off in full every month, right? But if I have a credit card that's secret that my husband doesn't know, and I'm making these charges, or I'm living this other lifestyle outside of it, that's infidelity. hmm
0: I think anytime you are dealing with any type of financial topic or any financial vehicle and you just have not told your spouse about it, that is infidelity. You are living a double life, whether that's with a credit card, with a bank account. You know, you got certain amount of your paycheck heading somewhere mm-hmm. else and your spouse thinks you make this much when you really make this much anytime you're being secretive about any mm-hmm. aspect of your finances, you are committing financial infidelity. Mm-hmm.
2: I remember one time you came home. remember you came home and told me this story, how uh, you were at work with some of the guys and they were like, hey, you don't have an allotment. Yeah. Remember, tell that story.
0: Yeah, I was at work and man, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but we were just chilling. I think, it was, matter of fact, it was prior to us getting married and they were giving me like little marriage tips or no we were married and they were yeah we were married something to the fact like each one of them had an account <laughs> yep where they they had money coming from their traditional paycheck and heading to these accounts before their traditional paycheck hit the account that the wife knew about and it was just like their little play money to do whatever they yeah. wanted to the problem was that their spouse didn't know. And that, that wouldn't be an issue if it was a plan that you all came up with together. But the
2: spousing says you're making this certain dollar amount every month. But really, I remember one of the guys said, yep, I got 6000 on the side. She don't know nothing about it.
1: <laughs> and he was so proud. So proud. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they thought that Tyler was the, the odd one because they were like, you don't have that? You don't have any side money? Hey, she will never know. He's like, no. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I was don't. the weirdo.
1: It would be interesting to see if they were still married today, though, because... I always say, if you feel like you have to, and and I heard this a lot. So what real money answers for every woman, when I was doing this tour, no matter what I said, it would never fail. Whatever city I was in, someone would come up to me, a woman and say, my father or my mother or my brother told me that I have to have my own account to the side, an account that my husband doesn't know about. And I'm like, I think the bigger question is, Like what's going on with the trust in your relationship? If you feel like you must do that, like, because it could start out with that. But then how many other areas is there mistrust going on in your relationship? Like it'll start here. But who you are in one area is who you are in all areas. So where else are you hiding things or where else are you opening up the space for your spouse to hide stuff?
0: That's the thing. Like we get asked a question all the time, you know, about separate accounts, you know, the just in case accounts and, you know, because things don't always work out accounts. And uh, but (laughs) the real question, the real question (laughs) is why? Like, why are you coming in thinking about going out? Right. Why are you starting thinking about exiting? There are some other issues you may need to tackle if that's the mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're coming into it, quoting statistics about marriage is ending, maybe you maybe you're not ready for for marriage. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should consider um, the person you're marrying, because I didn't I didn't get down on a knee and propose to my wife, kind of hoping that things maybe possibly work out. I got down there like this is the woman I want to spend my entire life life with Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm not trying to be romantic or romance novel like but i'm just saying like if you're coming in wondering and strategizing making sure that things are in order just in case this doesn't work out i'm worried about your marriage Mm -hmm. before it even i'm worried and so when we get those questions about you know we you gotta have your little something on the side my question is why
2: Mm -hmm.
0: why And if you do have something on the side, why can't your spouse know about it? Why does it have to be a secret? Why? Because there is something deeper there, whether it's a fear of rejection, a lack of trust. There is something much deeper than the the balance in that account that needs to be dealt with if you want this thing to last forever.
1: Mm -hmm. So how did you guys end up being America's number one money couple? Like, how did all of this, the financial infidelity, the working through it, the becoming debt-free, how did that really lead to you being willing to build, as you say, power couples with purpose?
2: Yeah, a lot of people offline. They were looking at our lives and they were approaching us prior to even having uh, the platform His or Her Money. And they were asking us a lot of questions and saying, okay, how did you guys do it? Can you all sh- lead the way and show us how to do it? And then we realized, hey, if these couples are coming up to us here, we can only imagine the couples that are all a- across the globe, right? And maybe their marriage is failing um, even before it got started. And so we wanted to show, hey guys, you don't have to stay in that past. There is hope, there is hope. I'm living my best life now. Three months prior to getting married, if you would have told me you know, 12 years later that I would be in the place that I am now, I would probably be a little bit doubtful because I was very, very discouraged at that point. Um, I was in a lot of pain, very hurt. But now that we actually went through the process and we overcame, we're on the other side showing other couples how to be triumphant in their their marriage and their finances, I would say that it's all worth it.
0: Yeah. We're people of faith. So our personal faith teaches us that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And quite often we have found that God uses those areas that are like the low points of our life or the things that we perceive as weaknesses, as the very thing that he will use to platform us, to elevate us. A lot of people don't believe based on, and it may not sound like it right now, and it may not sound like if you ever see me speaking somewhere, but I'm a powerful introvert. And I was terrified of public speaking. First time I tried to go to college, I have a few degrees now, but the first time I tried to go to college, I got to one class away from an associate's degree in general studies that I was just getting just to make my mom happy uh, because I was in the military and she signed off and she said, well, you still got to go to college. I was like, "Okay, I'll do it. And I was one class away and that was speech. And I refused to take that class because I was so terrified of speaking in front of people. And God took that, the thing that terrified me the most, and he turned me into an educator, made me speak in front of people on every every type of educator, whether that's like the traditional sense. I have degrees in traditional education and work in the school system. I teach at our church I'm teaching personal finance through his and her money. He made me pick up a microphone, the very thing that I was terrified of and do his will. And so there was same thing with this situation, the low point of our marriage, Mm -hmm. the thing that was going to destroy our marriage before it even started. And all the lessons that we learned as a result of going through that process now is what we help people get through. We, We came out of that feeling powerless and now we're in a place where we feel powerful. And now we want to give other people that hope because we don't want you to think that if this is the uh, the current chapter that you're in and it feels hard, it feels tough and you don't you don't see a way out. We're here to tell you on the other side, like, hey, if you just hang in there, if you don't give up and if you put in the work, you can make it to the next chapter.
1: Mm, I love restoration. Yes. <laughs> I, I love how God will use anything. He will use any of our pain and turn it into purpose. It's just, it's phenomenal. And I'm so encouraged by your testimony. I am so glad that you were restored and that I got to meet you at the baggage claim in Charlotte, North Carolina, (laughs) because you two are just incredible. Before we get out of here, I have a few redefining well, the rapid wisdom questions. Now I've never done it with two people. You're actually my first interview with a couple. You're my, you're my very first
2: Come on, we gotta do good now.
0: All right,
1: you ready? Right. Babe? ready. Yeah, you did a great job. So I maybe we'll do I'll let you both answer. It's designed to be quick. So how do you define
0: success? Doing God's will, having a clear understanding of why you were created and what you were created for, and doing that.
2: Oh, I have to I have to piggyback on that. Yeah, I
0: did all. <laughs> it's not fair.
2: I'm sorry, but that was it. Okay,
1: good. How do you define wealth in three words or less?
0: Legacy. Mm, I like. On your terms.
1: Yes. Come on. On (laughs) your terms. (laughs) Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? The Bible.
0: Mm -hmm. Why the rich are getting richer by Robert Kiyosaki.
2: Can we name two? Yeah, you're you're two
1: people. The
2: richest man in Babylon.
1: The Richest Man in Babylon and the Bible. Okay. Now you guys have to come up with a joint something on this. I'm going to make it hard. (laughs) So my name is, and then you fill in your names, and for Mm -hmm. me, or for us, the truth about wealth is.
0: So I'm Talit.
1: And I'm Ty.
2: And the truth about wealth is everyone needs it, although they try to downplay it.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do. And yes, the two things no one wants to talk about: sex and money. That's right, y'all want? Yep. Ain't That's that about it. nothing? <laughs> yes. Hi, and Talat McNeely, thank you so much. This I is had great, so Patrice. Much fun with you guys. Thank you for blessing us with your wisdom. I'm sure there are some couples who will be coming over to hisandhermoney.com. dot com. To check you guys out. I love everything that you're doing. Don't stop. And thank you for being an inspiration.
0: Thank you. We really appreciate you having us. We had a great time and keep oh, the great work. Well,
1: yeah, we're super proud of you. Thanks, guys. Okay, so we're tie and talent, not phenomenal. I just love them as a couple. And I really, really, really hope that you took away some great nuggets some great reminders I think for me even at this stage one of the things that I really want to carry with me is that if you hang in there it can get better I know it's so easy to be frustrated and to give in and to give up because some of these differences that we have when it comes to money with our significant others can be glaring But let me tell you from experience, and I'm going to link to the video, how to talk to your honey about money, because that's why I share a lot of the things that I've learned with my husband. But let me tell you, we are much better in several areas of how we communicate about our finances, but we're not perfect. Things still come up. Things still happen. And I look at what if I would have given up 10 years ago or seven years ago or five years ago or even three years ago you know, it does get better. So if you are struggling in this area, please allow what I share in the video to be um, hopefully an example of what's possible. And then definitely think about talent and tie and their journey. And let that be a reminder that it is possible. And we're no more special. There's, there's no superpowers or anything over here. We are all imperfect human beings just trying to do the best that we can. And unfortunately, a lot of us just don't make wise decisions, especially early on, especially in our youth, especially when we think that we just know better. And the truth is, it's not really that supportive, but it takes going through some things for many of us to see that. Just hang in there. I just hope that this is an episode that encourages you to hang in there. And I would love to hear from you. Make sure you go to redefiningwealthpodcast.com. Click on this episode. Tell us what you learned. Tell us what you thought about the episode. Are there any takeaways, things that you're going to incorporate uh, in your own relationship with your significant other? And make sure that you hit them up, his and her money. Um, on Twitter or on Instagram and let them know that they were a blessing to you. It's always good as someone who is always being interviewed to just hear that it's not in vain. You know, when you take time out of your schedule, like they did with a busy family and all that stuff, it's always a blessing to hear from a few folks and just know that it was worth it. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe Would love to have you in the family Look out for new episodes each and every Thursday morning Right around about 5 o'clock Eastern We have new episodes each and every week And if you're already in this community, you've been here for a while Please make sure you take a second to rate or review Especially on Apple Podcasts for me It really does help It really, really does make a difference And um, share, especially if, you know, couples who have been through some things in this area, share, share, not because you're all in their business, but so that they have some examples of testimonies of restoration of people who've been able to get to the other side and just know it's possible. Okay. so until next time, my dears, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more